Welcome to Falun Dafa Information Center's new show, The Falun Gong Bulletin, where we cover news from China and give our analysis on why it matters to us even here in the West. Hi, I'm Ben Maloney, Digital Outreach Director for Falun Dafa Information Center. And I'm Cynthia Sun, Researcher at Falun Dafa Information Center. On today's show, we're going to go over our five forecasts for the persecution of Falun Gong in China and what the 2023 could hold. And then we're also going to do a, a recap of the 2023 International Religious Freedom Summit that Cynthia attended in Washington, D.C., and give you our top three takeaways from our experience. Why don't we get it started, Cynthia, and you can talk a little bit about um, this report, which is uh, Key Trends in 2022, What to Watch for Ahead which is a report that uh, Falun Dafa Information Center published. It's available online, and it was one that uh, got a lot of attention at the summit as well. Why don't you walk us through the five trends for 2023? The first trend is targeting Falun Gong practitioners as part of censorship efforts surrounding spikes in COVID infections and deaths. The second is high-tech surveillance deployed to monitor and detain Falun Gong practitioners. The third is new international sanctions and imprisonments of CCP officials involved in the persecution of Falun Gong. The fourth trend is the fate of Falun Gong in Hong Kong. And the fifth trend is transnational persecution of Falun Gong practitioners. And so maybe we can go back to the first trend and break each of them down. The first trend really targeting Falun Gong practitioners as part of censorship efforts surrounding the spike in COVID infections and deaths. Um, this actually brings us back to 2020. At least 12 practitioners were detained um, as part of censorship efforts to suppress the information of COVID-19 going out. And this year, as we know, the lockdowns have lifted and zero COVID policy is no more in China. And so we see a lot more activity surrounding Falun Gong practitioners and uploading information on, you know, jumping the Great Firewall and trying to alert people outside of China to what is actually going on within the borders. Yeah, right. And um, it's important for the viewers to understand that the reason Chinese Communist Party is so focused on on the, the Falun Gong practitioners to get getting this information out is not just that it's it's happened historically, but that Falun Gong practitioners have developed software to get around the Great Firewall. They have organized pipelines and, and information networks out of China. So, and, and they also are the largest number, right, of people persecuted in China. So they, they cause the biggest, quote unquote, threat to, to the truth actually getting out, whatever that truth is around human rights, or in this case, around some of the uh, uh, things actually happening on the ground with COVID. There's a couple examples maybe you could give as well. So Suna and 10 other practitioners were detained in early 2020. She was sentenced eight years for sending information about what Beijing looked like and the lockdowns in China. And Fang Bing, the second practitioner that we feature on Fallen Info, is pretty well-renowned. He's a YouTuber, actually, that went into Wuhan hospitals. And for a whole week, he documented what the body bags and what was actually going on with all of like the COVID infections inside of Wuhan, the hotspot of where COVID actually spread out from. This year, we've seen dozens of reports on Minghui and of practitioners like jumping the firewall again, um, just like they did three years prior to send information out. The targeting of Falun Gong that we expect would be more likely in regions of northeastern China, like Hebei province, Shandong province, Jilin province, and Heilongjiang province. 
these regions in northeastern China have been historically where the persecution is the harshest and also where more Falun Gong practitioners are located. That why, why, are they, why is it the harshest in those areas? Not only like the density of Falun Gong practitioners, but also a lot of the security apparatus is also located in northeastern China. And so they just have the you know, resources, the amount of people to carry out this persecution campaign. And going into the second trend, uh, it's similar high-tech surveillance used to monitor and detain Falun Gong practitioners. We've covered Hick vision alarms in the past episode, but um, there's an emerging technology called the Health Code app, which was mandatory for all Chinese citizens to have. It marks you as green, orange, or red to indicate if you have been in close contact with COVID-19 individuals or if you are safe to go out and go to grocery stores, go to your workplace, go to school. This tool was actually used as a suppression tactic. Um, practitioner, One re practitioner reported last year, police threatened to change her health code if she didn't renounce her faith to Falun Gong and sign an oath that she would stop practicing Falun Gong. Right. It's a good example of, um, you know, how the Chinese Communist Party, whatever technology they can use, is really a repression tool. So ostensibly, it looks like it's some sort of health tool um, that also we should note restricts your movement, right? Restricts if you can go to your job, make money, restricts if you can, kids can go to school, restricts where, where you can move around. And then the, the reality is, obviously, the Chinese Communist Party is not using it for health. They're using it um, to, as a tool of repression. Exactly. And so emerging technologies just like this, just like the Health Code app, um, the Falun Dafa Information Center will continue to monitor and document the cases. Trend number three is new international sanctions of CCP officials involved in the persecution of Falun Gong. In the past few years, the Biden administration has actually sanctioned several perpetrators of the persecution of Falun Gong, top level CCP officials. For gross human rights violations. For gross human rights violations, especially in Sichuan and Fujian. Um, and in 2023, we actually expect, as more cases are documented, that northeastern China, like the perpetrators there, will also, you know, be under Sanctions. Sanctions. The two people sanctioned by the Biden administration are only a small percentage of the hundreds of perpetrators. Every city, every province has police officers, local officials, neighborhood committees that are involved with the persecution of Falun Gong. And so for the past 24 years, especially in these upcoming years, since the Blinken and the Biden administration has already expressed that they are willing to sanction under Manitsky Act and others, these human rights violators, it's important to continue to send these lists their way so that they can sanction more in the future. Trend number four is the fate of Falun Gong in Hong Kong. Falun Dafa Information Center is especially concerned about the rights and freedoms of the community of Falun Gong practitioners in Hong Kong. Since the adoption of the national security law in 2020, some suspect that you know, Falun Gong practitioners could be banned or violently persecuted like those in mainland China. And what we've seen is that pro-Beijing officials have issued public calls to ban Falun Gong in public. At least one incident in 2021, authorities fined practitioners for holding an exhibit. And although Falun Gong practitioners have been able to continue practicing their faith, um, doing meditation in parks and the like, in 2022, there are at least three cases at the low levels of 
judicial court where courts punished attacks on Falun Gong practitioners or information booths and upheld basic rights such as freedom of expression and the display of a Falun Gong banner in public. In 2023, we expect that incidents will continue to happen just like this, um, but we'll have to see whether the courts continue to uphold these freedoms of belief, freedoms of expression, or if they set the precedent this year um, that the national security law um, is actually going to ban Falun Gong. The fifth trend is transnational persecution of Falun Gong, which ties in from earlier. The CCP's persecution of Falun Gong has rarely stayed within the borders of China. Um, refugees and local practitioners around the world have faced surveillance and harassment, um, including in Chinatowns and on college campuses. So the most prominent case was in New York last year, where an individual who was suspected to have ties with the CCP and the local consulate in New York went around for a week going to information booths um, where volunteers would pass out pamphlets of Falun Gong and he destroyed banners, he destroyed a Bluetooth speaker. It was a targeted coordinated attack because for that entire week he went around several locations and repeated the same battery. Right. And this is something we should note that it's not just this one individual as a trend. Like we know we knew that for instance, in Houston, this used to happen a lot. And then when the, the consulate uh, famously got shut down in Houston, these incidents suddenly dried up and no longer happened, which helps to kind of prove the point that perhaps there was those relationships mm -hmm. that actually the consulate is the one driving these individuals through whatever means to, to actually coordinate these attacks. The center is also concerned about covert tactics to masquerade CCP opinions in the West, such as in newspapers, on social media, and um, among policy influencers to spread anti-Falun Gong sentiments. Right. And that's important because that, that can happen through a variety of ways. Obviously, the most egregious being, you know, somebody physically going to assault the booth. But there's many ways that they, they can push uh, the Chinese Communist Party pushes their, their anti-Falun Gong uh, narratives. You know, cult, cult label was a very famous one. Um, racist. Yeah. Uh, racism, you know, different aspects, uh, you know, uh, different political aspects and political labels. So. The Chinese Communist Party can push that through any ways, right? Like think tanks or, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Western, me like, uh, Western media, opinion pieces or, um, you know, paid media or, you know, when you read something about, about that, you know, we would encourage you to, to look at all, all sides yeah, and, yeah. and kind of see where the real facts are there. But that's a really good segue. Uh, those top five trends again. Our report, which is printed here, is available on the website. We'll look, link to it below so you can um, have, a, have a better look. But I know that this report was a big topic in the uh, IRF, or International Religious Freedom Summit, which uh, you just went to in Washington, D.C. very recently. Uh, curious if you could tell us a little bit about what is the IRF Summit, uh, what, what was Fallen Dolphin Information Center doing there, and how did everything go? Yeah, um, the IRF Summit is held annually. This is the third year that it's been held and the third year that we've attended. And it's basically to increase public awareness about religious freedom around the world um, and how it's being suppressed, essentially. Right, and it's a, it's 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 a uh, just for clarity. There's N, uh, the largest NGOs are there. Um, there's policymakers, uh, policymakers, and like I saw, Blinken issued a statement, you know, mm. well wishing the IRF. So there's a lot of uh, connection between mm. you know the U.S. government and 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 NGOs, and mm. and this is like a pretty big deal. Yeah, this, this um, there was also a legislative. The president of the legislative UN from Taiwan was also there. Okay, which is one of you know their top officials as well. So usually, Falun Dafa Information Center has a booth with information, such as the latest report. 
And also this year we featured three speakers. The first was our executive director, Levi Browdy, who spoke on a panel about documenting dissent and how Falun Gong community has been able to have these cases from the past 23 years and how to best clarify them to Western people who might not know what's going on inside China. Especially around forced organ harvesting, is that right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And we also had two other speakers who are actually victims of the persecution, unfortunately. Grace Chen and Simon Zhang personally had experiences being persecuted in China or their families being persecuted. Those who follow our social media will know that these two are at the top of our family rescue initiatives. Can you tell us a little bit about, for people that aren't as familiar, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit about Grace and Simon, just high level, what, what their stories are for people that sure. don't know? Um, Grace Chen is a high school student in New York. Her parents were detained in China in 2020. So it's been over two years now since she's had any contact with them. They were sentenced to an unknown length of time. And so she was just there to really share her case with people and to find out how best to help them find freedom. Simon Zhang is an architect in New York City. His mother was actually detained this time last year during the Beijing Winter Olympics. During that month, he was advocating. He was trying to find out you know, how to get her released. After that month, she was actually found to have been killed um, in police custody from the persecution. Both of their cases were, were really moving. And they were really, um, they really highlighted how widely this persecution impacts people, even here in America. Tell us a little bit about about what the reception to 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 their stories. I know they were on panels with other mm -hmm. uh, victims, um, but can you tell us a little bit about kind of what what they said, or maybe we can play some clips. Yeah, sure. Grace Chen, uh, she was featured at the youth track, and so with other religious prisoners of conscience. But her testimony was especially moving because. She also had experiences growing up in China, being fed propaganda when she was in elementary school, um, being kidnapped once when she was on her way to kindergarten, leaving to America by herself at the age of 14, and then after a year not being able to have any contact with her parents, like finding out that her parents were detained from a news article, like all of that was really shocking to hear because she is so young, she's still in high school probably best if you hear it from her self. So we have a clip here to play. In the fall of 2020, my parents were arrested with eight other Falun Gong practitioners. When I found out, it was so sudden and shocking, but I wasn't that worried. I just called my mom and dad a few days ago, so I saw they would be okay and call me again soon. One week passed, and I still had hope. Then two weeks, three weeks, four weeks went by. Every time I heard the phone ringing, I hoped it was my mom and dad, but I never called. I felt so miserable. Every night, I cried in bed. I became quite as good. I bookmarked every single article about my parents' arrest on my laptop. I felt like now I was all alone in the war. You just heard uh, from Grace's own words how she was affected by the persecution. You can watch her full speech on falleninfo.tv or on any of our social media. After watching her speak, everyone in the room was in tears. There were other people who also similarly had experiences of persecution, but she was so young and so 
they were just applauding her, trying to encourage her, because it's it's very difficult to come and talk about such a horrific experience. But Grace is also the second generation um, affected by the persecution because she was born in 2005. So it was actually years after the persecution had already started. And after she graduates this summer, she'll be unable to go back to her family in China because they're arrested and there's going to be security issues with her going back. We'll do a follow-up um, episode in the future maybe with Grace or if you have any questions, um, please leave them in the comments below and we might do a Q&A if she's willing to, to share her story. As for Simon Zhang, his panel session was with human rights experts such as Nina Shea and Katrina Lantos-Sweat. He mainly highlighted the impact of the persecution, as we just said, about his mother because um, she had also been detained in forced labor camps several times before her most recent detention last year in which she passed away. I'll let him explain it in his clip here. On March 21, 40 days after she was uh, arrested, my mom died. My father demanded an explanation but was only met with indifference. Instead, nearly 50 policemen guarded my mom's body and monitored my parents' apartment. On April 7th, my mom was cremated. My father was forced to give permission after the police threatened they would fire my cousin, who is uh, my father's close nephew, from his government job. They also threatened uh, him, my father, using photos of me joining Falun Gong events in the United States, telling him that they know everything about what's happening here. His experience was rather harrowing, but he wishes that, you know, by telling his story that other practitioners, the millions that are still in China, won't have to face the same thing that he had. You can also watch his full speech on Fallen Info TV. I met a lot of incredible people. I'm really grateful for the experience. A lot of congressional members and um, human rights experts were very interested in Simon and Grace. They were very willing to help. So we have a lot of um, takeaways from the whole experience, which I'd like to share. Sure, yeah. Give us some of like maybe the highlighted three takeaways from some of your learnings and mm -hmm. experience at the summit. So overall, there was a general awareness about, you know, the Chinese Communist Party's abuses of human rights um, and suppression of faith. Overall, there was like a lack of awareness of how to deal with it or mm. what to do to stop it, because a lot of people have the con like the conceived notion maybe that, you know, China is so far away that we're unable to do anything about it or like it's the concerns of the people in China and not our concern. Um, but I found a lot of people were willing to listen and a lot of people were willing to brainstorm together ideas of what to do. And we actually um, have a lot of ideas. One of them we mentioned earlier was sanctions. We've seen that actually impacts, you know, perpetrators personally. If you don't know, the sanctions actually prevent the perpetrators and their families from coming to America. If they have any land, property, assets in America, those are seized. Their children are unable to come to school here. And so it really affects them personally. The sanctions as well as um, other avenues like exposing their crimes even, like the simple act of documenting persecution, the crimes that they're trying desperately to cover up. That's also one of the avenues to actually um, make change. We also had a recommendation of, this was for mainly the ambassadors and any diplomatic staff who are going to China to meet with victims of persecution, to meet with people who are affected 
by the persecution of Falun Gong that are here in America. And because those stories really, I mean, like you heard earlier, those stories really do matter. And it's like people's lives that are at stake here. And the last one was the bills. Um, the United States has yet to pass a bill about forced organ harvesting. And, and Falun Gong um, Protection Act. And the, Fal Free Fal the Falun Gong Protection Act. The United Kingdom and Canada have already set a precedent. The UK actually passed two bills regarding forced organ harvesting that we've talked about in previous episodes. And those have actually made a rather big impact because it completely stops like the economic trade of medical equipment between like the United Kingdom and China. And it also prevents organ tourism from happening. And then the second takeaway was USERF, which is the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, actually have prisoners of conscious forms that anyone can fill out. So I really wanted to share this with the viewers because anyone can just go onto the website. And if you have a family member abroad that is being persecuted, that you know is detained, and there is some sort of document or evidence of it, um, USERF is actually looking for help in this regard, and they're requesting that people send them in, because if they're not sent in, then they're not documented. If they're not documented, then legislators and policymakers can't really act on it. Right. So just, just so I'm clear, one of the ways that the government, uh, whether they're doing the sanctions or you know they're looking at bills, one of the ways that they understand the scope and the individual cases is through this portal that, mm -hmm. that, that people document cases. Is that right? Yeah. This is like the number one resource for policymakers to make these decisions into law and to really like consider it as high priority. Um, we'll also have a link for this in the description box below. Um, so please send them in. The third takeaway was really the impact that victim testimony could make. As you just saw with Grace and Simon in our clips before, um, and also our previous victims that we've brought to the Earth Summit, it really moves people and it really helps people like humanize and visualize what's really going on inside of China. Because there's like a basic understanding that um, the CCP is a violator of human rights, but how does it really impact the people, the community? Like how, for Grace, like her whole school was indoctrinated by this Falun Gong propaganda and her teachers would talk about it. Her faculty would talk about it. She was really scared to even say that she was a Falun Gong practitioner um, because she was worried that her family might be taken away from her, which now they we were, know yeah. that they were. And so like just having, I guess like a space for them to really like tell their stories that they weren't able to in China was really important to remember because we have all of these statistics in our report. We have, you know, analysis of all these trends, but it's happening to people. It's happening to people happening just to like people. us. Yeah. And like, not even in our worst nightmares would we think of all of these like forced organ harvesting, all of these crimes. And so, um, like what the Fallen Dafa Information Center really hopes is that um, we can bring you more stories in the future and also that you'll be willing to listen to these stories because um, it really makes the difference for them. Thank you for joining us today for the Falun Gong Bulletin. Uh, until we see you next time for the next episode, feel free to share this clip or, or this video with your friends and family. Thank you.